Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Elisa Covington and her focus is on flipping. So I'm super excited to learn about her story, her journey. So welcome to the show, Elisa. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Eileen, for having me. Yes. So Alisa, can you share with us a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Sure. So I was in the corporate world for quite a few years before I started investing in real estate. I started from purchasing and remodeling my first home. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath condo in the south of market in San Francisco. And I did a house hacking with the property by renting out one of the bedrooms and the bathrooms. And also I remodeled it myself. Sorry, not remodeled it myself, but I remodeled it a little bit because I was kind of broke after purchasing my first home. So with the remodeling and also the market appreciated a lot after I purchased my first home. So I was able to borrow a HELOC to purchase my first rental property. And I did a remodel on the rental as well and started managing it as a furnished rental for about a year before I decided to sell that property because the value appreciated by about 50% in just one year. Wow. And so when you look, did you go in with the intention of potentially doing this HELOC model and being able to pull out some of the money and reinvest it in another real estate property? No, I actually, when I purchased my first home, I just wanted to purchase a home. And it was later on, I was exposed to this house hacking idea and also to borrow a HELOC and purchase rental properties. So I kind of, I learned more and more as I went on this journey and it was not planned in the beginning. Got it. And so when people hear house hacking, especially you know nowadays, how was your experience with house hacking? And then how did you find your tenant? And was the experience positive for you when you first did that house hacking in your home? My first tenant was a friend who was looking for a place. I didn't want to look for a stranger to live with me. I thought it was risky. So I went with a friend, but it turned out that the friend was had a different kind of style. Like she's not as clean as I, <laughs> I wish she would be. So we had a little bit issues and there was some incidents where she didn't lock the door after she left for work. And when I came home, the door was wide open and it was kind of scary. So after a couple of times of that, I had to let her go because my home was not safe anymore. So I ended up having to find a tenant on Chrysler. And the tenant I found on Chrysler was actually really good. And we became friends 
So the initial experience wasn't that positive, but then after I found a good tenant, it became a good experience. So what were some of the things that you looked for the second time around that made it a more positive experience? Because it sounded like you did a little bit more like due diligence on the tenant themselves first before bringing them into the home with you. Right. I interviewed the tenants, did a background check, and I made sure that in the interview, I asked them about their whether they want to keep the space clean. And we implemented house rules, who's responsible to do to take out trash and to do dishes every day. And that helps us to have a good schedule and both of us to be clear on our responsibilities. Got it. So it was really important to just get that clarity up front, having that open communication and just setting the ground rules ahead of time. So everybody's on the same page, essentially, when you guys move in together. Yeah, for sure. Afterwards, when you said you bought your second property and did the you rented it out there, did that turn into what happened after that? Did you end up doing more properties after the second one? So after the second one, I decided to look into house flipping. That's why I sold the property and I used the capital from the sale to invest in a house flipping career. Got it. So was your first flipping, was your first house flipping that in also in San Francisco or was it outside of the market? At that time, I actually moved down south after I got married. I moved to the South Bay and I started flipping in the South Bay. My first project was in downtown San Jose. Oh, got it. So then I'm curious, how did you decide that you wanted to get into the flipping business? So from my experience purchasing and remodeling my first home and my first rental property, I really enjoyed the remodeling process of making a not very functional layout, more functional by relocating the kitchen and other parts of the home and also by picking out finishing materials. And then I started watching HGTV, which inspired me because I realized that what I was doing with my two properties was essentially the same as what they would do when they flip a house. So I realized that this could become a business. Got it. Got it. So when you're looking for a property and you're looking with the intention of flipping it, can you kind of walk us through your process of what looks like a good property to you and how do you evaluate it prior to making the purchase? Usually I do the analysis on my computer first. So whether it's a good property or not is decided by the numbers, not by the appearance of the home. So I run the numbers on my computer to make sure that the numbers work. There's a good profit margin. And then I take my contractor to the house and we check out the structure of the house and also all the repairs and remodeling that needs to be done. Got it. So then what would be considered like a good profit margin, like the different metrics that you look for when you crunch in your numbers, like uh, in terms of renovation costs and uh, timeline periods and all that stuff? What are some of the metrics that you evaluate typically? I usually target a 10% return 
on the investments. So when we put all the costs together, that's all the investments, and I'm looking for at least a 10% return on the money. Do you also hold like reserves in case of anything were to happen during the renovation costs during that flipping or as you guys are doing the constructions and building up the property again? Yeah, you always want to have some buffer to make sure that if the construction runs longer than intended and if the total renovation cost comes out to higher than you projected, then you can still finish the project with the additional funds you have. Because it happens pretty often. Once you open up walls, you may find things that you didn't know before. And there could be some permitting requirements that you or your contractor were not aware of, and then it could cost extra too. So let's say when you look and you find a property that you're interested in, and when you walk into it, what kind of, I guess, vision do you have into what the property could look like? And how did these ideas formulate your head on how you could remodel it in such a way that you get the best return on your investments? It takes practice. So in the beginning, definitely it would took me longer to get to an ideal layout and also finishes to remodel the properties. So I had to spend a lot of time doing research online and also going to the stores to check out all the available materials. But then as I do it more and more, it becomes a lot easier. So I guess in your opinion also, if you were to focus on you know a couple of different areas within the house to really get your the most return on your investments on, what are some of the areas that you have found to be the most helpful or the most beneficial? And maybe some of the areas where you in the past, you might have thought it would have returned a lot higher benefits, but it was actually less than what you were expecting. Usually, you want to focus the renovation on the kitchen and bathrooms. The kitchen and bathrooms are the things buyers look for or they pay the most attention to. And if a home has a remodeled kitchen and bathrooms, then the value, the increase in value would be many times the investments that you put into. So you definitely want to focus on the kitchen and bathrooms. And you also want to make sure that anything that's not functioning, if there's a leaking roof and if there's a big crack in the driveway, you want to address those issues. And I usually also paint the inside and outside of the property and uh, do landscaping. So you want to make sure the whole property is freshened up and it's welcoming from the first time a buyer sees it. I think you mentioned also like the finishings and some of the material that you're using. What kind of materials... You know, like, because there's so many different types of materials out there. How do you determine which one is a good one and what buyers would potentially value in that specific neighborhood? We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post production for us. 
because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. I look at the comparable sales. So you want to check out the comparable sales in the area that are already remodeled. And that can tell you a lot about what's desirable in a certain area. So for example, in the South Bay, the suburbs, buyers usually are drawn to a farmhouse kitchen, like shaker cabinets, farmhouse sink. But in San Francisco, for example, buyers usually prefer a more modern style. So when I remodel a home in San Francisco, I would not use shaker cabinets. I would use flat panel European style cabinets. Got it. And typically from start to finish, when you have a house under contract and or from the start from the closing period to when you actually completely renovate the house, how long does that typically take for a flip and then to put it back onto the market and get it sold? Usually it takes about two to three months. Two to three months like for the entire renovation and then get it sold combined? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the sale usually takes for the buyers to close on the purchase. It takes about a month, usually 30 to 40 days for the loan to be funded. But the renovation process takes about two to three months. I see, I see. And so for during COVID time periods, and a lot of people have been talking about, you know, the shortage of labor, the prices of material keeps going up. Has flipping still been a profitable business just because of the prices of everything and how competitive houses are now, you know, to purchase in the real estate market? It's actually been better than ever. So the materials are more expensive and some materials take longer to get. But because the housing market has been, 2021 was my best year ever. And I actually doubled the profits I made that year from the previous year. And then this year has been really good too. All the projects, pretty much all the projects I've sold in the last two years, I was able to get a lot higher profits than what I expected because the market just went up in the couple of months when I was holding the properties. As you've been flipping and learning the side of the business, what has been the most difficult part of being in the flipping business for you? I think finding deals is the hardest part because there are not as many deals. Good deals are very hard to come by and it's not like constant. It's usually not that consistent. Sometimes, for example, the last week, within the last week, I got three deals. But then the month before, I didn't find anything. So it really varies the the deal flow. And that's probably the most challenging, especially for new investors. 
Could you share a couple of different strategies you've utilized to be able to find some of the good deals out there? Sure. I rely heavily on agents. So I build a relationship with a lot of real estate agents and they bring deals to me when they come across them. So like before they hit the market, and so you've just built up the relationship with the different types of agents in your markets that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, so I'm always curious too, as being a flipper, we always kind of hear different types of stories because it could go very smoothly on one end, but at the same time, you know, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, there could be potential, a lot of potential unknowns as you're bringing down walls, you have different permits mm-hmm. that's going on. What has been like, I guess, for you, the most memorable flipping experience or project that you worked on? I think the first flip was the most difficult of all. I didn't have a reliable contractor to work with and I was new in the game. So I didn't have a lot of experience to rely on. The first project took a lot longer than I expected. And during the process, the contractor created issues. The project was delayed and the budget went over. And then the sale also took longer than expected. So in the end, the margin was less than what I thought it would be. But I learned so much from the first flip. So if the margins were lower than what you're expected, and it was really difficult you know, to finish that project, what was your drive to continue to move on and pursue the flipping model? And why was it a good option for you in this aspect? I just enjoyed the process. To me, flipping houses is not just for the profits. It's also creative process where you take a rundown house and turn it into a dream home. It's kind of like building a product. And I'm proud of what I've been able to do with the properties that I flipped. And I feel like it's creating value and it's very fulfilling. So I enjoy the, of course, the profits are amazing, but then I also enjoy the process. I get excited when I find a good deal and I get really excited when I'm able to make a home functional and appealing again. And so to date, how many flips have you done so far? About 40. Oh, wow. And and this is all within the last couple of years? Within the last five years, yes. Within the last five years. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, to be able to find, especially in the San Francisco, San Jose Bay Area, you know, that's uh, quite a market to be able to do something like that and, you know, to learn from those types of experiences and to be able to produce something like beautiful as putting together like a house that, you know, might not have the love and attention that it needs and then making it into a beautiful home for somebody else to come move in. Yeah, it's really fun. I love what I do. So what are you looking to focus on in the next upcoming future within your real estate business? Is it continuing to flip more houses, expand the market, something like that? I think this year, my goal is to expand more into the peninsula, the peninsula market. Peninsula is more, the home prices are higher and the projects are a little more complicated because you have more opportunity to add value to the homes. And I'm also 
just bought my first, or I'm in the process of buying my first property to build a new construction home. And I'm super excited about that. I'm also building an ADU on my rental property in San Jose. So I'm going from doing kind of cosmetic remodels into the property development world. So that's what I'm excited about. That sounds exciting to mm-hmm. be in that area and to be a bit stand. Mm-hmm. Right. So for someone who's looking to get started with, you know, potentially flipping their first home and from the experiences that you've gained so far, you know, flipping over 40 houses so far, what are some of the steps that somebody should take or they need to kind of lay the foundation before getting into their first flip so that they avoid some costly mistakes down the road? It's important to build a foundation. Like you want to have some knowledge about how this process works and you want to know where your funds are going to come from and who you can rely on for some guidance. I have a mentor who really helped a lot during the beginning of my career, especially on my first flip. So if you can find someone who you can trust and you can learn from, it's really valuable. And then in terms of financing and to be able to purchase these, all the several homes that you've been able to flip, have they primarily been from the proceeds from your previous flips to be able to purchase the next ones and you've just been rolling in the funds that way? Or have you brought in other partners as well to help with the financing and the funding of the business? So I use a hard money loan to fund most of my flips. They fund up to 85% of the purchase price. And I use my own funds for the 15% and the rehab cost. I think hard money loans are awesome because it allows you to do multiple projects at once. And especially for beginners who don't have the capital to fund a deal all by themselves, it's really, really great. And on top of a hard money loan, you can also get a private money loan to fund the rest of the purchase price and hard money loan can also fund 100% of rehab. So financing shouldn't be an issue even for beginners. So where are you finding your partners for the hard money loans or the private money loans? Hard money loans are usually companies. They fund, they have a lot of, probably a huge network of investors who are willing to invest with them to make out loans. And then you go to the hard money lender to get a pre-approval first. And then every time you find a deal, you can just go to the lender to get funding. And it's usually really quick. But for private money lenders, you can go to real estate events. When I was starting out, I didn't have as much funds as I have now. So there was a time when I had so many deals going on and I couldn't fund the deals all by myself. So I brought some private money lenders onto the deals and I was able to get to know those lenders by going to real estate events. Got it. So how has real estate investing impacted your life so far, Elisa? It completely changed my life. I was 
in the nine to five job before, and I was not motivated about my job. I didn't feel my life was fulfilling, and I didn't find the purpose of my life. And then once I started investing in real estate, I feel like I'm really using all of the my skills, and also I'm growing as. My business grows, and I feel very fulfilling, and I feel very motivated every day to grow my business. And what is that one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started?、Mm. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I've learned a lot from. The house flipping career, and I think it really—it's not rocket science. If you are determined to succeed in the business and you are willing to put in all the dirty work, then you can succeed. It doesn't take an advanced degree, and it doesn't take a lot of money to be able to get started. But it's almost like everyone has the same starting. Line. So, all it takes is some hard work and determination to get to where you want to be. I'd like to follow up with that question a little bit more because I just thought of a question for you. When you're working on a project, you know, how much of the time are you spent in the day to day managing the actual constructions of the property, being there, and actually working the flips? Versus, you know, working on your business instead, and looking for ways to, you know, looking for deals and everything like that. How do you split your time? In the beginning, I spent more time managing the flips, but now I have a good team that I've built that actually allow me to focus more on growing my business and also to focus on doing things that I enjoy rather than. Just to do the day-to-day stuff. Got it. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? I think there are so many things that set successful people apart. It's hard to just say there's this one thing. There's determination. There's hard work, and there's integrity. Yeah, just off the top of my head. Awesome. Well, Lisa, I really appreciate coming on the show and sharing all of you know your journey with us today, and how you've been able to flip all the houses, and how you got started with flipping from the corporate world. It's very exciting what you've been able to do, and we're excited to see where you continue to go with this new venture that you're looking to start on. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I do want to mention that I have a YouTube channel where I teach beginners how to flip houses, and also I share tips and tricks on home remodeling. So, if some of your followers are interested, they can check out my YouTube channel. It's called Transform Real Estate. Awesome. Yes, we'll definitely put that in the show notes, Elisa. Thank you so much. Cool. No problem. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook. How did they do it? Real estate. 
We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.